All right, I'm here with Tracy. Spill your guts, sister. What's on your mind? Thanks. So, um, I had a baby about 11 months ago, and she's healthy. She's beautiful. Um, and my husband and I have been married almost 10 years. Our ninth anniversary is tomorrow. Um, and we're glad she's in our lives. Um, but I've been having some thoughts lately about my choice to be a stay-at-home mom. I listened to many of your podcasts about the benefits of it. Um, when we first started talking about having a baby, that wasn't my jam. I wanted to be back at work. Um, it took a lot of conversations and um, a lot of thinking and some of your podcasts too, of course, for me to arrive at the decision. And I was fully gung-ho. I really believe believed, believe that this was the right thing to do. Both of our moms did it. My husband's mom and mine um, were stay-at-home moms, that is. So um, yeah, I thought, of course, this is going to be great. This is the right decision. I will not look back. But I'm starting to look back. And it's really, really hard to know that my career is kaput. <laughs> it's finished. And it's, um, it's me and this 11 month old baby that screams at me all day and cries a lot and um, has been a really, really difficult 10 to 11 months. Um, and a real shift, I guess, in who I think I am and who I want to be. And I'm worried that my daughter is seeing a side of me that um, isn't so favorable. Um, should I go on? Is that all right? Some more details, maybe? Well, I, uh, you ever, you ever, when you're a kid, you, you, there's this belief that if you put your ear to train tracks, you can hear the train coming from a long way away. Yeah. I, uh, I can feel the emotions underneath the language because this is probably the strongest thing you felt about in your life. I mean, that's, that's a, a hell of a story arc, right? From, from enthusiasm and optimism to, where you, where you are. So I guess I just want to make sure I sort of understand and connect with how you're feeling. Yeah, I'll put some words to that. Um, shame, I think, is, is a real present feeling for me right now because I have, I have everything. I have a husband who's dedicated to me staying home. He has a good job. Uh, we live in an excellent neighborhood, zip code. Um, my, my own mom is as supportive as can be. Sometimes I think she loves my daughter more than I do. It's remarkable. It's beautiful to see her um, with my daughter. When she leaves, I get very, very lonely. That is when my mom leaves. Um, she, she left this morning, so she was here for a visit yesterday and into today. Um, and again, shame because my daughter is with a woman who's... <laughs> you know, weak. Weak, you say weak yourself, right? Yeah. And in what way do you characterize yourself as weak? In what standard? In what standard, is that oh, what you by, Yeah, by what standard would you characterize yourself as weak? Weak because, um, like I said, I have, I have everything. I have, I have the, no, I have the life that You so don't have people. everything. You don't. You, you don't have the one thing that you want the most, if I understand what you're saying correctly. 
which is a deep and positive bond with your daughter. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's the thing, right? That That's the one thing that makes it worthwhile, right? Right. Otherwise, you're just with a red face, crying, pooping, whatever, right? Right. Right. Okay. So that's that's the thing, I think, that's... And that's not weakness. I mean, you, you, you don't will that. It's not like working out or, or, or not eating cheesecake. I mean, it's, it's not a will-based thing, right? You can't just will that kind of thing, right? No, and I feel like I'm maybe sometimes over, like, trying too hard and trying to will it. Can I just ask you, just if you're moving around a little bit, yeah, it's just the kind of shifting sound of a headset or something's going to distract people. If you could try and, I hate to say freeze like Madame Two Swords, but if you could try and hold still. <laughs> okay, let's 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 go back a little further, if you don't mind. So you married for ten years, right? About so nine nine years. Yeah. First question: Why so long for kids? Which is not a criticism. I'm just I'm just curious, right? Right. I don't have a great answer except. I loved, I loved my job. And what did you I do? I worked with kids. I was a counselor for kids. Uh, do you mean like, uh, because I, I think camp counselor, but do you mean sort of like therapist or, or something like that? Yeah, school counselor, school-based counselor. Huh. I was not expecting that. You understand that makes your story additional wrinkle bill. Right, and I think... I'm really great at connecting with kids. It was my job. Yeah, I know. Right? I mean, that's... Wow. And again, it's not a criticism thing. It's just one... I mean, I want to be honest with you about how I experienced the conversation, right? So, um, okay. So you worked as a counselor for kids, right? And you did that, uh, was that... Did you do that before you got married? Yes. Okay. And what's your age range at the moment? I'm 37. 37, Okay. So you had 20 years, basically, from becoming an adult. Well, 18 years from becoming an adult to having a kid, right? Sure. Yeah. Wait, sure? <laughs> like, you sound like I'm forcing you to admit something that... that... Well, yeah, the maturity um, spectrum wasn't that long for me. I would say I wouldn't have considered myself an adult until maybe I was, you know, 25, maybe 30. Really? Oh, this is this Western, like, adolescence forever, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. I, I'm part of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. I mean, hey, I, I, I spent my time in that shallow trench, too, so. Okay, so you loved your work, but, I mean, I assume, not to get overly graphic, but, you know, you and your husband are making the beast with two backs, and you're consciously not having children, right? You're on the pill or IUD or birth control of some kind, right? So you're, you're sort of consciously making that decision to not have children, right? And I guess, was that a topic that came up much? Did you talk about having kids with your husband before you got married or, or early on? Or what was the decision around kids with your husband? It was, yeah, in the future. It was something that was I could have put it off even longer than I did, but yeah, I always thought really. myself as a mom, not and really. I wanted. I mean, sorry, just biologically, not really. You know, third thirty-seven is is still kind of pushing it, right? Yeah, I know. Okay, so you got married in your late twenties, right? Yeah. Okay, and 
it was, was it like, I want kids, you both said, I want kids, but just later? Yes. Right. And did you ever have any sense of what later would actually mean? No. Ah. I don't think I did. Ah. See, like the purpose of marriage is kids, right? And it doesn't mean everyone who gets married has to have kids. I always get these sort of pushbacks. But that's why the institution exists. It's to provide a stable base wherein children can be provided for and grandchildren can be... That's why, well, that's why there are men. It's why there are women. It's why we have sex. It's why there's marriage. All of this revolves around kids. And again, there are some people who don't want kids, some people who can't have kids. And, you know, that's fine. That's fine. But they're kind of like, the road is built for drivers and bicyclists can use it too. Kind of thing. But the road, like marriage is built for... For kids, and of course, I assume, given your affection for your job, Tracy, that you like, if not love, spending time around kids, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So it just wasn't really a topic. So then how did you end up deciding to have a child? Well, I mean, the clock was definitely ticking, and um, we consciously started trying and um, summer of 2016, I had a miscarriage that fall, um, and that was pretty dark, pretty grim for me. It's horribly um, common. I just, um, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And it's one of these things that they really should prepare you for uh, more. Because, you know, what if you see these Hallmark baby burritos wrapped in glowing moms and so on? But man, there's a line of tiny graves between people in the crib and. Uh, it's, uh, it's something that really, it should be talked about more in society, I think, as a whole. You know, we have this whole conversation about abortion, but um, nature's abortions are much more common. And well, it's like a, a quarter or a third of pregnancies end up in miscarriages. And uh, I'm, I'm so sorry. That is, uh, that's a, it's a terrible thing to experience. I mean, more so, obviously, for the woman than for the man. And I'm, I just want to extend, you know, human to human sympathy for all of that. Thanks. I haven't told anyone except my husband. <laughs> so that whole bit about needing to talk about it more, uh, yeah, I, I haven't been able to talk about it. It's, it's a, yeah, I, it's easier to move forward, I guess. You mean without talking about it? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's a death, right? It's a death, and it's a death of it's a death of something you never even get to experience in a way. You know, like my dad left before I was conscious, really. So for a long time, I was like, you know, miss my dad. Well, I, you know, dad's gone. Was he even here? <clears throat> and it was a shallow and, and <clears throat> silly, but understandable way to to deal with it. I mean, you can certainly miss something you never held. You can certainly, you know, I mean, something dies in your body, and. Did you have to have a DNC? Did it come out naturally, or, or how did that work? No, it was natural. Oh yeah. So I mean, listen, that's that's a horrible thing. That's a, a a ghastly, horrible thing to to experience, and it is a you know I I know uh, people who have had um, a funeral for a miscarriage. A funeral? Yeah. Now I mean I don't mean that they bought a plot, you know, and all of that, but you know they. They had a, a, a ceremony, right? This is, this is a being that died in your family. And I don't, I mean, obviously it's worse if, the chi- if it's a child and so on, but it's not like, well, you know, it's not nothing, right? It's a very, it's a very painful and difficult thing to go through. And I, I just, I really, 
I really sympathize. I have, <clears throat> well, I won't get into that. But yeah, so I, I, um, I, I sympathize. That is a very big deal. That happened, at, it was in the fall of 2016? Yeah, right before, yeah. Now, how long was the baby alone? Oh, probably not more than like six or seven weeks. Okay. And then what happened? Um, and then I wanted to wait a little while to put some distance between that and the conception of another baby. So uh, we waited about a year and then um, tried again. And I I became pregnant in probably November or no, well, December. And then she was born in August. Right. And it's funny because, of course, after you've had the miscarriage, the pregnancy is not the same. I'm glad you said that because I don't have the same glowing, mirthful, babies are a miracle, babies are a blessing sentiment that a lot of people have. Oh, no, you're just looking down saying, please don't die, please don't <laughs> die, please don't die. Right. It's Yeah, it's hard to have that glow after you've had that tiny flyby of the Grim Reaper, right? Yeah, so I didn't want a baby shower and all of that, you know pageantry or anything. I just kind of wanted to have her and not be pregnant anymore. I wanted to lose the baby weight too right away, but I was, yeah, I wasn't that smug, super glowy pregnant woman. I don't know if smug is the right word, but you know, that sounds almost a little hostile. Yeah. You know, like they didn't suffer as I suffered, so to hell with them, right? <laughs> it's not very fair. Yeah. And how was the uh, how was the pregnancy in terms of morning sickness and and sleep and so on till the, till the end uh, till the end morning sickness none of it it was relatively easy pregnancy and how was the birth that was fine too I did the um, they were I was she was late so past the due date induced and then um, uh, I think I had to push for like a half an hour and then she was there. It's kind of a funny thing, eh? That they could just inject you with something and a baby comes out. You know yeah. what I mean? I just, I think that's just, what it was. it's a wild thing. It's like, I am a person of free will and independence and, oh wait, they inject you. Okay, baby's coming out. You know, it's just, yeah. it's, it's very, it's a wild thing. Like you get one injection and out comes a human being. I mean, that's just wild. Right. And no screaming, no crying, no pain. It was, yeah, like you said, remarkable. Good, good, all right. And how was the breastfeeding? Did you latch okay? or No, that went really, really south fast. Um, she wasn't latching. Um, we were up all night. The nurses were trying to help. The hospital I delivered at was very dedicated to helping women, you know, succeed in their breastfeeding goals. Um, I had a very hard time of it, so they offered donor milk, so donor breast milk. Which I had never heard of, and I thought that's the creepiest thing ever. But if it will keep my baby alive and keep my breastfeeding goals intact, let's do it. So they helped me feed her a bottle of donor breast milk, but still had me do it as much as possible to keep my milk supply going and yeah. to um, make sure she, you know, by the end she latched. She dropped weight during that time, so they kept us an extra day. They all drop weight, but she dropped more than the average, yeah. so they kept us an extra day. Um, and sent us home with donor milk, and I was we don't live too far from the donor milk bank, so I was able to go for the first month of her life and pick up donor milk, but I still persisted in breastfeeding 
as hard as it was. And my husband was such a help with it. It took it took my mom, my sister, my husband, uh, even your podcasts late, late at night pumping <laughs> to, to make that happen. And um, I, so I remember I, uh, my wife sitting on the couch with my daughter. My wife was breastfeeding and I was feeding my wife soup. And I'm like, I'm part of the great chain of being here. You know? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. And even in the hospital, I would try to hand express colostrum just to get it in my baby's mouth. And my husband would put it on a plastic spoon and put it in her mouth. And yeah. we'd go back and forth. We, it was like, I'm not giving up. Right. And so, did it uh, begin to click more or was it still a struggle? It was a struggle. I, I used some apparatus just to try to protect myself because she was, the way she was latching was really causing some Oh, that injury. little, uh, it's almost like a cup for your nipple, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's like, like what the hockey players play to protect their nuts. You know, exactly. it's like, please don't chew my nipple off. That would be an excellent day for mom. Yeah. No blood with this milk, please. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Raise so that, empire. Right. And that, um, my husband, you know, remind, at one point I was like, I can't do it. I have to give up. And he's like, why not try the nipple shield one more time? And I did. And, it, and I just kept with it. And I stuck it out. And it got probably easier around five months. It took that long. Uh, for her to really sort of get her neck under control and just be able to do it herself. It's funny, you know, and I remember that phase where you're just sitting there going, how on earth did we survive as a species? Yeah. Like how, you get half the, like a third of the babies dropping out of the womb dead. You got kids who can't latch, don't sleep. Like how on earth did we survive right. as a species? And, and then we got these babies that are like, hey, bear. Tiger, lion, we're right here if you need us, and there's fresh meat for you. Cry, 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 predator, predator. I don't know. It's just, it's one of these things, like, I can see why our ancestors built wall and stone huts, you know? Yeah. So, no, that was a, an ordeal, to say the least, but I was I was adamant that this is how I wanted, if it, if it gives her any advantage health-wise in her youth or in her adult life, I'm going to do it. Like, that's that's final. So um, I don't care if I had to pump 24 hours a day, she was going to be breastfed. Right. And we do supplement with formula because it just wasn't enough when she wasn't latching. But um, once we got the function down, we used much less formula. And that was, you know, going forward, that's how 99.9% .9 of the time she's breastfed. Right. Well, that's fantastic and, and good for you for sticking with it. I mean, this is another one of these secret silent agonies of womankind on the planet. You know, like a friend of mine's wife, she would spend six hours just trying to get her kid to, to take a meal. And yeah. it would be completely hysterical at the end because you, you just, you feel trapped. You feel like, like this tiny little log has rolled on you and you can't get up. And it's like, you know, please, please eat something <laughs> if you don't mind. It would be excellent if you ate something. You know, this is how it's supposed to work. I'm I'm not trying to feed you from some robot arm from the space shuttle this is you know this is boob and nipple and milk it's exactly how nature intended if you like taking something and it, it really because uh, you're tired right you're tired and 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 you just desperately want this thing to happen that you can't control and that's the crazy thing about this kind of aspect of parenting is you just it's like sleep you know you you just need some sleep but you can't control it and you just need your baby to feed and you can't control it and it's you know when you've had a long time being in control of your life it's a pretty wild thing when babies come along and say, well, enough of that now. Uh, yeah. You think you're in control? Um, think again, punk. Right. Right. And it is something that I wanted to, I guess, will into action. Like I, I 
Yeah. I needed it to work, and I, I needed it to, I needed that bond, I feel like, too. Okay, there's so, another emotional tripwire for you. What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, I, I, I didn't want to sever a possible, by quitting breastfeeding, I didn't want to sever a possible bond that we would have for the next, you know, year, year and a half. So, you know, talking about the duration of breastfeeding or whatever, um, that, that is a way for a mother and a child to bond, and I wanted it to work. So, God damn it, it was going to work, <laughs> if that makes sense. God damn it, we're going to have a bond, kid. <laughs> I, I think um, it's supposed to be more of a bond and less of a hostage taking, but I could be wrong. <laughs> Wait, who's the hostage, me or the baby? <laughs> um, let's, let's work on that as, as, we, as we continue the conversation. I'm kidding, but yeah, no, that... Uh, that was part of it too. That was a, I, that was a big part of it. Her health, of course, yeah, and the benefits of breastfeeding biologically, but the emotional bond that you're supposed to have with with that um, was something that mattered a lot to me that I I, I didn't want to miss out on. So well, um, let's get to that in a sec. But but how did it go with sleep, or how is it going with sleep? Um, sleep is all I all I wanted to talk about for the first six months, and until we did sleep training, sleep training was um, overdue. I think we we did it at six months. Yeah, I think we did um, it at five. It was it was just becoming hazardous, like it was becoming dangerous to drive. Right. Yeah. It was just yes. Like, right. Of course. You need to all be the, alert, right? Yeah, and there's all this drama about SIDS, but you're doing them more of a disservice if you're putting them behind the wheel of a car, and you know. Well, you behind a wheel of a car, sleep deprived, and yeah. out with your no, babies. No, that's how it's how they break personalities, right? It, it's it's how they destroy a human being is through sleep deprivation, right? I remember when Noriega in in Panama, they wanted to take him out, and they just played really loud, harsh, hard rock music at top volume, and, uh, with the speakers pointed at the hotel, and it's like, oh, so so that's how you destroy the heart, mind, and soul of a horrible dictator, and that's got a lot to do with parenting as well. <laughs> it's just one of these terrible coincidences or, or ways things have developed in particular. Yeah, and with breastfeeding supposed to be so natural and supposed to be so, um, yeah, just you, you expect it to be easy. And and you hear that a baby sleeps, you know, upwards of 16 hours a day. So you're like, well, of course <laughs> I'm going to get some sleep then. Yeah. <laughs> but no, the Yeah, I've never found that to be the case. Um, yeah. I, th I think in particular, this could just be my prejudice, but... I think in particular with really bright kids from bright families, they have a tough time soothing the old developing brain, right? Because, you know, it, it's hard, when you're smart, it's hard to cool the brain. And this is, as an adult, after you're, like we start with a, a billion, billion, billion connections and they get pruned, right? So, so the brain we have as an adult is a, a very small subset of the brain that we had as a baby. And so I think if, if your baby's very smart, then they live in a world of internal stimulation that you and I can't even imagine anymore because our brains have been whittled and pruned down from the original galactic clusterfrack of, of stimulation that it started with. So I, I, do, I do think that the, the, the smarter babies don't, don't sleep. That's sort of what I, it, it, that's anecdotal. I don't have any data on that. That's just sort of a, something I've, I've sort of thought or, or noticed. And again, if you're listening to this show, you're smart and, and we know that intelligence or at least IQ is 80% genetic by teens, uh, late teens. So there's probably that as well, which, which makes ba the baby stuff is tougher, but then the, the later stuff is way, way cooler. Yeah. 
and I'm looking forward to it. Right. And the, the kids that I worked with in my job were teenagers. So Right, right. <laughs> so you uh, you, you you're seeing a lot of the baked goods and not a lot of the recipe and burnt papers, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. right. And some of the botched baked jobs too. So <laughs> right, right. Right. informed a lot of, you know, what I came to learn as, you know, parenting and do's and don'ts, I guess. And how did the sleep training go? Um, quick. I reached out to someone on like care.com to see if they would come over. We were at our melting point and I was thinking maybe we'd need like a night nanny. I would have paid anything, but I texted with this woman and she's like, I don't think you really need me. I think you just need to be firm and get rid of the pacifier and get rid of this and, you know, just be a parent and put her to sleep and step out of the room and let her, let her work it out and let her learn some skills. Yeah, because it's learning time. how to self soothe that, that you yeah, can cry, right. be really upset. No one comforts you, and you eventually know as a baby what's on the other side of being upset is you can self soothe, you can calm yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that went well, and there have been some hiccups, but um, with the sleep training, I became very much obsessed, I would say, with a schedule for her because that was something that was part of it. You needed to be consistent and you needed to do consistent naps during the day. And so almost without exception, I've stuck to two naps a day around the same exact time within a half an hour window. And when she doesn't nap or she won't calm herself down, I get so angry. I get so upset because I'm supposed to be good at this. I'm supposed to have done the training, gotten her to a certain place. She's supposed to take over and be able to self-soothe. And when she doesn't, I get, I'm so hard on myself about that because I'm like, this is my fault. This is something I've done. I've fed her something or I've... Wait, under... Sorry, let me just... I'm sorry to interrupt you. Let me just make sure I follow this. And I, 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 I mean, I, I'm sounding more skeptical. I'm really just trying to understand. So you're upset or you, you get very angry or mad at yourself when your eight, nine, ten-month-old baby doesn't follow a schedule you've set up. Yes. Now, are you saying this like uh, every now and then I have the urge to bite the head off a bat like Ozzy Osbourne, but I don't, obviously. Like, or, or do you like, well, no, that she should. She should be on a schedule. She should, this is how it should work. Um, I mean, there have been times where I've like thrown the monitor on the ground, like really angry. Okay, give me that scenario. So she's, you, you, is it like second nap or first nap you put her down at what 11 or 3 or whatever it is right mm -hmm. and she just cries doesn't want to go to bed yeah and she'll shift her body towards the side of the crib that's near the door right and she you know, whatever she's if she's pre-vocalizing or vocalizing like mama and she's reaching for you and that kind of stuff right usually crying and screaming screaming okay and um then what and then I grit my teeth and my blood pressure goes up and I'm like, okay, just breathe. She'll eventually fall asleep. Give it time. I look at the clock and I try to time it to see how long because I don't want her indefinitely screaming. So, you know, if it's anything more than like five minutes, um, that's not true. If it's, if it's more than like 10 minutes, I'll go up and try to, you know, just I'll pick her up and. Wait, so you're her. trying to sleep train her, but then you go back in? Yeah, because part of the sleep training was you do this sort of graduated extinction where you, you go in after a set amount of time. Really? I never heard yeah. Of that. that's I, like I thought it was just cry it out. That's one way. 
but the yeah. way that um, we did it was graduated extinction, it's called. Ah, how did that work? Well, you said it worked except for occasionally with gnats, right? Right. right. Oh, but at first it worked beautifully with all sleeping right. arrangements. Yeah. And then you wean it off. So, you, you know, you wait 10 minutes, go in after 10 minutes if she's still crying. And then the next day you might wait 15 minutes and then hmm. go in if she's still crying at that point. And usually by then, you know, after a day or two of that, they find a way to... Um, and you don't pick them up. That's actually against the rules. You're not supposed to really pick them up out of the crib. You're supposed to just pat them and say, it's okay, I'm here. Yeah, because yeah, otherwise you're just training them to cry for 15 minutes to get what they want. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, right. So I'm not, like, I, I go back and forth on, like, the rigidity of the rules. Um, plus, right. if I think... Wait, what do you mean? That sounds like you're trying to confess to something, but not at the same <laughs> yeah. time. I go back and forth, you know. Okay, yeah. listen. I don't like stealing cars. I know it's illegal, but honestly, I go back and forth on the on those rules. <laughs> like, yeah. What do you mean? So I can explain. The, the, because it's infrequent that she has these, um, I guess, long intervals of crying and not sleeping. I feel like this is a one-off. Something's up. And what's what's been really helpful about sleep training is that because she's on a schedule, if she's off, it's usually something I can trace back to so if she you know doesn't follow the schedule if she's crying for a longer amount of time i trace back and i think okay what did i feed her oh yeah what? shouldn't have given her jalapenos and yeah okay yeah <laughs> shouldn't have let her you know reach into the dog's food bowl maybe or something like that. <laughs> so um but it but it becomes this little mind game obsession thing and it's it's part of this stay-at-home mom issue i think on a on a on a, as a small example of how I overthink these things when maybe she's just like you and I not sleeping the same as she did yesterday. Well, I mean, good heavens, you know this obviously, uh, but kids are changing like daily, you know, like what worked yesterday, you know, won't work tomorrow and what works tomorrow won't work today because they're changing all the time. Right? So she gets used to something and then boop, her brain grows by like 5% in a week and then it's all reset, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, too, that I don't always keep in perspective. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, because, I mean, you get tired of stuff as a parent, right? Like, like, how many times do I have to stack these blocks, right? And just when you're going to completely go mental from boredom, your kid's like, I don't care about the blocks anymore. It's like, oh, thank you. Right? It, 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 it is, you know, it's one of the things you get to look forward to. Okay, so let's, so, so she's crying, and you're in the room. She's not going down she's screaming and how do you end up throwing the monitor down what what's the step that leads to that or steps well what comes to mind is like i can't calm myself down <laughs> i guess i think oh, so you need somebody to give you stress training or something like that right? i can't believe my daughter can't self-soothe <laughs> really no that's not well no and of course inaccurate. that's freaking no. her out right yeah. Because she sees you lose control. Well, she's not, I'm not throwing the monitor in her room. I'm oh, okay. But she can I probably tell to some degree or another. I mean, like, we read parents like we read the weather, like a sailor is out there reading the weather, right? I know. And that's what I'm worried about, Steph, because as much as I try to be upbeat, energetic, happy, I think she, I think she knows there's an, an undertone. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I don't doubt it. And, and, uh, and that's not, you know, what, what we owe our kids is honesty. Right? Mm -hmm. 
I know. I mean, you you can't give her big long speeches when she's not even a year old. But I think it is important to be authentic with kids, to to be honest with them. Like if you if you feel like doing something else, just say you know, pick her up. I want to do something else, or mommy wants to do something else, and. I think that's kind of important because otherwise, you know, kids need other people's thoughts and feelings to have relationships with them. And if you're just there to enable or to facilitate what the child wants to do, then the child grows up without a strong sense of someone else in the room, if that makes any sense. Can you say that again, actually? Yeah, yeah, sure. So you have to have, and it's age appropriate. Like, so, I mean, I would imagine it's sort of coming in around where your, your daughter's age is at the moment. But it's very important that you yourself have needs around your children and express your preferences. Because if you don't, they don't get a strong sense that there's someone else in the room. Right? You want to have a bond. But for, for, for your child to have a bond, you can't be a pleasing robot. You can't be... Um, something that just facilitates what your child wants to do because then you're like um you're like a car like you know you get into your car and you don't say you know hey car i'd really like to go grocery shopping what do you think you know do you, do you want to go through the car wash would you like to go uh racing you know like what do you like we don't say that we just get into the car and the car is a tool that we use to get what we want to satisfy our needs right our preferences and so with with parenting and it's not something you do when, with the new baby, right? But, but certainly you've got to transition into that. You have to have your own needs and preferences because your, your child can't relate to you if you're not there, right? In other words, if all you're doing is, is pursuing some agenda or, or, or trying to fulfill some schedule or trying to facilitate their preferences or pleasures, then I think that can raise children who don't have a sense of give and take, who don't have a sense that there are other people who have needs and you need to negotiate, you know, as you do with your boss as you do with your husband as you do with whoever right you're buying a house you do it with the the lender or whatever <clears throat> so i guess that's when you were saying you know you try and put on a peppy face why do you, do you not think that you're going to be loved if you disagree with your daughter um i, I think she can't love you if you don't disagree with her in the long run Right. I guess part of it is sometimes I just want to avoid listening to her cry or listening to her scream. Okay. So the screaming, the screaming, so is, is, was that from the beginning or did that grow or how did that play out? I've always hated listening to her cry because I think I just, a baby's cry has always grated on my nerves. Well, it's supposed to, right? I mean, that's, right. that's the, the reason that babies cry is the babies who didn't cry didn't get their needs met and died. Right. I mean, it's supposed to be annoying. The crying and the screaming, though, is different, right? So when you say screaming, are you talking like purple-faced, uh, fist-clenched, uh, barely human-looking face? I mean, what are we talking about with the screaming? That was more early on. That was more early on, I think, when we had difficulty feeding her. But now it's more like screeching and whining and ins that insistent baby call of, I need it, I want it now. Right. And and sometimes I can't get things to her fast enough and she'll raise her voice just to high pitch screeches. Now, you just give me a sense. Of, I mean, you don't have to blow my ear out or, or wake the neighborhood, but just give me a sense of the sort of pitch and intensity. 
Um, you, you want me to like wail like she does? Well, yeah, <laughs> so. not full volume, but just give me a... <laughs> Okay. Like, ah, ah, and, you know. Okay, so I get, I get, yeah, I get an, I mean, just, I'm just telling you what I think, right? But I get sort of entitlement and anger out of that. Like, mommy, how dare you deny Her Highness something? Yeah. Is that, is that wrong or is that? Oh, that's right. Because I think even in my email, I said to you, I think I said I'm like a prisoner to her, like a I didn't say slave, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so she's like the empress and you're like the servant, right? That's how I feel. Well, yeah. that sucks. I mean, who could possibly enjoy that? No, that's why, yeah. That's, I'm glad you, we arrived at that. Oh, yeah, no, no, that's... that's. I mean, again, when they're very young, that's the gig, right? But you got to, you know, start to balance it out, right? And where is she at developmentally? Is she scooching? Is she crawling, walking, language? Where are we at? Creeping and crawling, mostly like... I like how you say creeping. That's, yes. It's almost sinister, you know? Like in the movie <laughs> It. See? She comes with a clown mask at 3 a.m. Sorry, go on. Yeah, and she, she kind of swims across the floor on her belly mostly. <laughs> so we've got uh, 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 crawling. Um, and does she have any, any words yet? Um, she, she says like mama and dada, but not directed at us. I think just practicing oh yeah just, yeah the practice okay all right um was there a time when her screeching didn't bother you as much or her crying was there a time when her crying didn't bother me as much like when she was a newborn i assumed that the crying was not oh i'm a slave to an entitled whatever right because she was just newborn right it's right. hard to take the newborn personally because, you know, they're just right out of the womb, right? Right. But was but there it, a time that it transitioned where it became more annoying uh, as, as things went forward? Um, I'm trying to think. Not a, not a particular segment of time, but it, it became more annoying that I couldn't take her out into public without her getting scared of a stranger. Yeah, that's it. I mean, my daughter went through that phase as well. Well, I'm glad to hear that because I'm starting to wonder if there's something personality-wise with her that's off. How's because that? just yesterday, so I wrote in the email too, we went to a party, this was weeks ago, and she, it just the minute someone just made eye contact with her, she just sh shut down and started crying inconsolably almost. So I had to leave. Hmm. And on the way home, I was crying and I was actually like very upset with her in the car. And I said, you really ruined this. And I wanted to get some social interaction and I didn't. And here I am driving you home because you couldn't contain yourself. And she, she, she was how old at this point? 11 months? 10 months. 10 months. Now, you understand that's a crazy conversation to be having with a 10-month-old. I know. I mean, I, and I, I mean, this is all sympathy. Like we've all been there with this. Uh, kind of stuff. I mean, I, I remember when my daughter was up, I wanted to do something in the water. The water was too cold for her. And for some reason or another, which I can't even remember now, I couldn't do it. And I was mad at her. She was yeah. two and a half, right? I mean, so, you know, I mean, that's not fair, but it does happen, right? Right. right. And it's just, I haven't had a lot of social interaction since she's been born. I haven't been away from her for more than a three-hour segment since she's been born. And you wonder why she might be alarmed at new people? Yeah, that's a good point. 
All right. So listen, Tracy, my dear, you you cannot exist without needs. You cannot exist subjugated to a baby. You 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 can't do it. It's unfair to her. It's unfair to her because if you don't have needs and preferences, then there's no one else in the room. It gives her a sense of entitlement, which is probably where the screeching is coming from. Like, how dare you not bring me what I want when I want it, right? So you can't have, you can't be a parent and be running around after a baby, right? You, you have to be in charge, which means that you have to, not bossy or, right, but you, you have to have your own needs and preferences. Because if you self-erase, which it seems like to me, again, correct me if I'm going astray here, but if you self-erase to appease your daughter, boy, are you going to resent her and is she going to resent you in the long run? Well, you're going to resent her and she's going to lose respect for you, right? I feel like it's already happening and I have no respect for myself because, yeah, I'm being bossed around by a 19-pound... Right. I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. But, but you know, if, if, if you've been around babies a lot... You see Kim Kim Jong Un from like North Korea. It's got that baby fat face. I'm like, yeah, yeah baby face dictator. Yeah, and I know that experience a little bit. All right. So here's the question. Then, I guess the question is, for you, what would the negative consequences be to having needs and preferences and say, yeah, sorry, little lady, if you don't like it, but you're not three months old anymore. Well. Yeah, I can answer that. The negative consequences would be she cries, she stammers, she pouts. I'm not connecting with her. And I eventually have to be the one to soothe her. Right. Now, if you were in your job as a counselor and a mom came in talking this way about her child, what would you say? Well, I have to I have to give my child what he wants, my child gets really upset, gets really angry. I, I, like, I, I have to just please my child because if, if I don't, uh, they'll, they'll be very upset. Well, I, I know your example. I worked with teenagers, though, so they have some verbal skills to leverage. That, but the principle is the same. Appeasement is appeasement. So how do you know when to appease and when not? When you get annoyed at the crying, that's when you stop appeasing. Like you, your instincts, like your baby has her instincts and you have your instincts as, as a mother. And I guess my concern is you don't seem to be like, so if you're at the point where you're smashing the baby monitor, that's because you feel incredibly trapped, incredibly frustrated. And that means that you're not trusting your instincts about when to stop appeasing your daughter. So babies are incredibly smart. Like the data is, is getting stronger and stronger about it. They can do mathematical reasoning at eight months. They can begin, uh, my daughter was like 12, 13, 14 months when we, she started working on ethics, right? I mean, we started negotiating when she was 18 months old, right? I mean, so babies are very smart. And babies, when they're first born, all they are is instinct and need and want, right? Because they're just babies, right? But very quickly... They start puzzling things out about how to get what they want. And babies are amoral manipulators. I mean, there's no ethics for babies. It's just, I want, I need. They don't know whether it's good or bad for them, right? I mean, they don't sit there and say, well, I could have another M&M's, but I do have to worry about cavities, right? So babies just want and need 
And then very quickly, they learn how to manipulate to get what they want. And that's why I asked you to imitate the crying. And my daughter is like a genius at fake crying. Like, you know, if we're at the mall or whatever, and some kid's like, eh, 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 right? She's like, fake cry, fake cry, fake Who knows, right? <laughs> and so there's the crying that comes from genuine want or fear or pain or whatever it is, right? And then there's the crying, which is, I'm not getting what I want. Right now, you want to indulge everything about the first kind of crying and nothing about the second, because crying should not be a weapon by which you get what you want, right? Then you're going to become a socialist, <laughs> right? Like that, right? <laughs> right? No, I mean, this is important because you don't want to facilitate your baby's fake crying to get what, what she wants, right? That's, that's not good for either of you, right? Because you're teaching her a bad lesson and you're manifesting a bad lesson. And, and she'll end up, again, no respect, you'll end up resenting and that may be where things are to a, a, a small degree at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to be free to say no to your daughter. You have to be free because she needs you to model what being an adult looks like. And I, oh, she's only 11 months. It's like, yeah. So, so, so now is the time because right? you don't want to undo it later, right? Right, so she needs, oh, adults can say no. Adults can have their own preferences and their own needs. Oh, good. She needs to see that. Every child, you know, if you've ever seen these nature shows where the, the octopus, octopi, they're, they're trying to, they're reaching into the coral, trying to feel for some, something like mollusk or whatever they eat, right? And they're just drifting over and feeling into everything. But that's babies trying to figure out what works in their world. They can't meet their own needs because they're babies. So they have to figure out how to control the big giant airship adults around them to satisfy their wants and needs, right? And again, when they're newborns and I don't know, up to six, seven, eight months, yeah, fine, you know, I mean, but, but you have to be aware of when you start to get annoyed at it because your instincts are then telling you that it is not a genuine, spontaneous, heartfelt cry of upset or pain or fear or hunger or whatever. It's like it's, they're frustrated that they're not getting what they want when they want it, and so they're turning up the volume and it's a way of controlling you, right? Yeah. Definitely. So now is the time in the conversation when we take the magic ride back to the dawn of you. So your mother was a stay-at-home mom, right? Yeah. And do you know much about your infancy? I was just watching. They had a Super 8 back then for video, and I saw some video of myself at my daughter's age, which was really cool to see. Um, I'm the youngest of three. And, yeah, I had my brother and sister around all the time. Um, They were pretty harsh with me growing up, Um, more when I got older. But as an infant... Yeah, we were around. My mom was home. Um, my dad would, he worked as a teacher and then he would, I don't know, coach sports and stuff after. So he wasn't around as much as my mom, of course, but school vacations, they were always with us. Summer, they were always around. Um, comparatively to other callers you've had, 
it's a pretty idyllic, um, you know, infancy. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom loved being a stay-at-home mom. She, and even before I started listening to you, she would always kind of <coughs> talk, talk down to daycare and we would you know we'd come home from middle school and say oh so and so you know dyed their hair blue and she'd say yeah I know I remember them and I remember their mom putting them in daycare when they were you know six weeks old and blah 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 and you know people do that when they she'd kind of she'd be really kind of smug about it and um, talk about how kids who went to daycare would later have problems with identity and yeah so your mom was uh, pretty pretty key on on being home and 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 being available and being present, right? And what yeah. did your mom say about your relationship with your daughter? For all she knows, we have a pretty good bond. She she kind of <laughs> she likes to remind me how how good I have it. That this is my only job. This is my only. Um, oh, because you only have one. Where she had three, is that right? No, meaning I don't have to worry about going back to work or you know. Well, neither did she. Did she? Right. So she's. I haven't been forthcoming with her, as I am with you. Why? Because I just I think she would, I think she would laugh at me. I think she would she would think of me as like a spoiled brat. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Who does that sound like? So you yeah, fear that your mother might think of you the way that you might occasionally think of your daughter, right? Yeah. Okay, so why would your mother think of you as a spoiled brat? Because I have this this setup where I'm able to stay home and... No, so did she. That's not the same. I have this precious, healthy... lively, adorable baby, and here I am complaining. She would see it, I think, as complaining. Are you saying that your mother never complained? Or never complains? No, she's a baby boomer, so she complains. She's a what? <laughs> she's a baby boomer, so she complains. <laughs> don't, don't hook into my prejudices. I'm trying to be nice <laughs> to everyone in this call. Um, no, no, no so, okay, so no, I mean, the, did she complain? Do you remember her complaining as a kid? Did she complain as an adult? I mean, do you mean about us as as her children? And well, no, just sense? in w- w- okay. Let me ask you this: be more blunt. Does she complain about things that you think are ridiculous? Yes. Like what? Like, um, well, traffic or oh, we haven't had we haven't seen the sun in seven days. We haven't. Um, really? I haven't been able to work on my gardens all summer. Stuff like that. Okay, so she complains about the weather. She complains that she has a car to drive on the road with. But you can't complain about social isolation, sleep deprivation, nervous tension, and having your nipples half chewed off. So those things I have told her about and she's been present for, like the whole breastfeeding saga. She was she was there for. Um, I would say more in line of if I were to tell her that I'm having a hard time bonding or that I'm feeling like I regret my decision to stay home, that's where I feel she would consider me complaining. 
Does that make sense? Oh, totally, totally. Okay. Um, but there's something that when I when I point it out to you, you'll kick yourself because I know you're a self-critical person, and I'm always aware of that uh, when I speak to self-critical people. But here's the thing: if your mother had a truly strong bond with you, you wouldn't have to tell her. She would know. Okay, so this is what this is a family thing. Right, it's the moment you said my, my mother's around. She said she was just over yesterday. I think she spent the night. You said she left this morning, right? Yeah. So if your mother's around and she's not aware that you're having this issue, where's her bond with you? Why wouldn't she know? How could she not pick up on this? This is a central agony of your life. It's been going on, off and on, right, for almost a year. Yeah. How could she not know? Listen, I'm a father, and I know. I was helping my daughter. We, we, we fly these, these uh, airplanes, these little plastic poly, polystyrene airplanes or whatever, right? One went up in a tree. She wanted to climb it. I gave her a boost. She fell on her butt, and she jumped up, and she said, I'm fine, I'm fine. I said, no, you're not. Mm. And then she burst into tears, right? I knew she wasn't fine. Mm-hmm. I knew she wasn't fine. I know what my daughter's feeling from like across a football field. Yeah. She can hide nothing from me, and I can hide nothing from her. You know, I, I walk out of the studio, I go upstairs. My daughter takes one glance at me and says, well, that was a heavy call, wasn't it? Mm. Or, well, that was a fun call, wasn't it? Just from how I'm climbing the stairs. It's weird. It's like having psychic helmets floating around you. and You're, you're like one of these glass frogs and people can see your innards, right? Yeah. Why doesn't she know? How could she miss it? If the bond is so strong. You shouldn't have to tell her. And there's a reason you haven't. Because if you're avoiding telling your central agony as a mother to your own mother, I don't see a bond. And that's a, a strong way of putting it. I'm not saying like there's no bond, you don't care about each other. But as far as what I would consider a strong bond, I don't see it. No, you're right. And so if you didn't have a strong bond modeled by your mother to you, Tracy. How could you enact that with your daughter? It'd be like me saying to you, okay, teach your daughter Japanese. You're like, well, I never learned Japanese. It doesn't matter. Teach her Japanese anyway. Like, right? Yeah. It also means that your mother does not know that she is lacking a strong bond with you. Because here's the thing, listen. If, <clears throat> if your mother was aware that there's not a strong bond, if she, like if there wasn't a strong bond when you first started out in your life with your mother, and then 36 years later when you have the baby, 
your mother would say, listen, <clears throat> I, I never quite connected with you in the way that I, I really felt I should. And I, just, I really want to make sure that doesn't happen again. Right? Like, I'm aware of, of deficiencies in how I was raised, right? And so I don't, I make sure I, I don't recreate any of that, right? <clears throat> so it means that your mother maybe doesn't have a strong bond with you and doesn't even know that. Because when you say to me, my childhood was idyllic, and then you say to me, my mother's been around me and my baby for a year almost, and she doesn't have the first clue that there's any problems, I'm like, you can't have both, man. You, you, you can't have both. You right. can't have an idyllic childhood and a mother who hasn't even noticed the central agony of your adult life. She should immediately walk in the room and say, what's wrong, Tracy? What's happening? What's going on? What's the matter? She should know you that well. So either she knows it and is hiding her knowledge of it, or she's completely oblivious to your emotional state. Completely oblivious to your emotional state as a mother. What the hell is that? It's like a, a siren going off out front of your doorstep and you turn to me and say, that siren is deafening me. And I say, siren? What siren? And because I think you've normalized things with your mom, like whatever we normalize, we become. If I had, and please, I'm not putting you in this category at, or your mom in this category. I'm just giving you my personal example, right? If I had normalized how my mother treated me, I'd be yelling at and hitting my daughter. Because right. that, that's, that's what parents do, right? And if you normalize your relationship with your mother and it's idyllic, in other words, it's the ideal, then you're going to recreate the lack of bond that it seems your mother has with you or doesn't have with you. Wow. Yeah, I don't want to do that. No, you don't. No, you don't. Do your siblings have kids? Yeah. And how's all that going for them? Good for them. Um, my sister has, uh, she had her kids go to daycare <laughs> right after, you know, within three months of them being born. So wait, why are you saying good for them? She, so when I was talking with my sister about my daughter, <coughs> afraid of strangers and crying at the sight of a stranger she was like yeah well you know my kids went to daycare so they were around different people all the time yeah. and I think that that's you know they went through those phases but they weren't long lasting and they weren't as you know turns out you dumped your kids into daycare they give up on the central bond and just bond with whoever's around oh look they've got social skills it's like nope they just lost their bond yeah, and they're just just always busy, always on the move. Practice here, sports this, hockey that, guitar lesson, gotta go. Mm. I think she's in the car, probably. Ah, the busy work of the lack of bonding. But <laughs> yeah. Now, has 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 um, I, I, I have you talked about this with your brother and sister or sister? 
Oh, no, you said I'm the, oh, no, I was the only person to know about the, the miscarriage. But what about, see, you didn't tell your, your siblings about the miscarriage, right? Yeah, I just don't want to, like, burst into tears a lot of the time. <laughs> like, Why? What's wrong with bursting into tears? I just, I just, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> bursting into tears is bad, right? And what does your daughter do? You should keep your feelings inside, young lady, so as not to inconvenience people or trouble them. Okay, so you don't want to be a burden. You don't want to trouble people with your feelings, right? Right. Except me, which I'm very yeah, happy. And I'm, I'm glad about. I'm, 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 I'm privileged. I'm honored that, that you would talk about this stuff with me. So you don't want to burden other people, is that right? Right. Uh, I don't want to be a it's burden. A, it's a younger sibling syndrome, man. Is it? I think so. I think so okay. because, you see, you're born into a family with already existing power structures and hierarchies. And if you don't form into those, if you don't sort of pour yourself into those like water into a container, I mean, the family structure usually can't survive, right? Whatever it is, right? Yeah. So younger siblings generally have to conform to the existing family structure and they can't cause too many problems, right? Yeah, my mom has said that even in so many words. My husband asked her, you know, it was you know, was Tracy an easy baby? And she says she had to be. She didn't have a choice. <laughs> so. Well, that's kind of telling. Yeah. She didn't have a choice. Right. That, that, that's a little, like she could have said, well, you know, she kind of had to because there was an already existing power structure, but, or, or, you know, ways of a hierarchy, a pecking order, whatever. But yeah. she, she had to. Yeah. It's almost like a personal thing. She better have been, right? Yeah. Um, what happened with discipline in your household? No spanking. Um, my parents were both teachers. They kept, you know, I think, um, after, you know, when I was in kindergarten, my mom went back to work part-time as the art teacher at my school. So, um, Steph, I'm sorry. I just dissociated for a second. What was the question? I'm sorry. No, don't apologize. That's reveals here. That's probably quite important. You you just <laughs> you just kind of beamed out of the planet when you were talking about your mom. Right. When after you were in kindergarten, your mom went back to school as a teacher. Was it part time? You said. Yeah, at my school. At your school, and then you spaced out. Yeah. Go, go on. Why do you think that happened? I don't know. I think I forgot what you'd asked me. Okay, so what was it like having your mom in your school as a teacher? Um, it was funny because I always I saw like the teacher side of her that was this, you know. Um, okay, we're moving that mic around a bit more yeah, so if you can okay. hold off. Okay, go ahead. The teacher in front of a classroom was not the warm, fuzzy mom that I had at home. So it's almost like she had a different persona as a teacher. Wait, you're trying to sell me on the warm, fuzzy mom at home? Again? Um, that's the wrong choice of words. Yeah, um, I, I feel I feel like I'm talking to you, but it's going through your mom, the propagandist. Okay. You know, like, well, okay, Tracy, you're allowed to talk about me, but you must always refer to me as warm and fuzzy, even though there's direct <laughs> evidence against it, in that I haven't even noticed you've been unhappy with your mothering for 11 months. Okay, so let's, let's, let's try that again. You saw her, I guess, you know, more brisk and more authoritarian at, at school, right? Yes, thanks. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
And did you have, you know, this is kind of the other curse of the youngest child, right? Which is, did you have much one-on-one -on -one time with your parents? Not so much with my dad, but yes, one-on-one -on -one time with my mom. And what would you do? She, I remember she would, like when we, she, I think my earliest memories are probably in the kindergarten age range. She would drive me home and um, make me grilled cheese. And I, I wanted to watch Gulliver's Travels every single day over and over again. Um, so I would watch that. And she'd come and watch it with me or do dishes or make a phone call, be around and in the vicinity. Um, and we would, I'd go to my brother and sister's games with her, sports events, you know, after school. Yeah, okay, but what about conversations, just the two of you? In the car, usually, All right. about horses or about horseback riding or um, a trip that we were coming up on or uh, talk about other kids. Hmm. Okay, okay. Now, when you disagreed with your mother about something, how did that go? that age? Yeah, just throughout your childhood as a whole. Um, that would be those, I can't think of a particular example, but I can remember how I felt. I remember if we would be in an argument or a disagreement, a lot of times she doesn't hesitate to throw things in your face that she's done for you. Um, little guilt trips, not little, I shouldn't say that, guilt trips. So here's the So give me an example. What would she drop? So, um, if I didn't, if she wouldn't buy me something or if she wouldn't, she wouldn't do something I wanted, she would say things like, well, we don't have the money because I stayed home from work for a number of years so that I could be with you guys, with your kids. And so we don't have the money for that right now. That's not quite the same, unless I'm missing something. It's not quite the same as throwing something in your face. I mean, that is somewhat factual, right? It is. Okay, so I'm, I'm, and I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I just want to make sure I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Well, is it's it almost... the tone? Is it is it like, yeah? So so if if you wanted her to buy you something, is it, 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 it was it a tone that she would use that would make it feel more like a uh, rather than a well sorry but right? Yeah, it was it was more like a well sorry but you know this is our this is our situation and tough and aren't shouldn't you be thanking me? For, oh, for being home with you. For being home with you instead of pursuing my career. I could be retired, you know, in 10 years. But no, I stayed home with you kids. So you'd have your mom. And did she and say sorry. that she thought you should thank her for that? No, she never said it outright. But she, the, the message was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know. Do you think that your mom had regrets about staying home? No, I don't, because she's even told me that I'm doing the right thing, and I won't regret this, and no one ever says, oh, I wish I had worked more when I had a baby. Right. 
So she's been in full support um, of what I'm doing in contrast to what my sister has done. So she's not shy to tell Oh, your me. sister thinks that you should dump your kid in a daycare and go back to work? No, she hasn't. She hasn't said that outright. I think she's she understands what I'm trying to do, but my mom will talk about my sister in a way to me that's not favorable. So she'll say, well, you know, your sister just drops him off at daycare and off she goes. Has she your works. mom had that conversation with your sister? I don't know. Have you had I that can... conversation with your sister? No. Why not? Because I don't want to, sh I don't want to shame her. Like if she's chosen to go back to work. It's not about her though. Come on. It's not about her. It's about her kids. I can tell you what I think she would say. Okay. What would she say? I think she would say the daycare has done them, has done well for them, has given them some independence and social skills. That but three months of age? Come on. Babies don't need to be independent at three months of age. What, are they going to move to Cairo? And I would also ask her, have you read the studies? Have you, do you, do you know the data? Do you, do you know the facts? Or is this just something you think? Steph, I don't even know if I know the facts or the data. Oh, yeah, no, daycare is terrible. Did you, do you want me to look it up? No, I believe you. Yeah, you, you can just look up the Quebec studies. Yeah, day, daycare, I mean, come on. I mean, this is, it's so unnatural to, to take a child away from its mother at some weeks of age and, and put it in with strangers, with a whole bunch of other kids, without one-on-one -on -one time, without the eye contact, without the physical contact, without the skin-on-skin -skin contact. I mean, come on. That's not, that's not how, might as well have robots raise the babies. That's <laughs> you know, not how babies are supposed to be raised, right? But, but you see, there's so, much, uh, uh, <clears throat> there's so much social structure around that relies upon women dumping their kids in daycare and going to work. Right. So that's why I haven't had a conversation. So that's why, no, but that's, that's why the, the, the data is there. It's very clear. But people don't want to talk about it because, no, we, you're we, not heaven forbid, we have a, a conversation about facts that make women feel bad, right? I know. It's called mom shaming in any, any sideways no, way. No, it's not mom shaming because... Because she's not momming when she's putting her kids in daycare. It's non-mom shaming. It's having kids and not raising them shaming. It's not mom shaming. Sorry. <laughs> That's what I feel quite strongly about this. That I'm doing the right thing. No, mom shaming would be great. You know, I mean, I don't mean it's great, but at least the mom would be there and, you know. But it's putting your kids in daycare shaming. That's... That's not being a mother. I mean, you're still biologically a mother, and of course you spend time with your kids and all that, but eight, ten hours a day. You know, you, you got a five to one, so you got a five to one ratio with babies, right? Usually five babies for every four babies for every one. But a baby needs a diaper changed every hour, right? So let's say you've got six babies, one just to make it easier, right? Six babies and one caregiver. The baby needs the diaper changed at least once an hour. Now, to do a proper diaper change, you know this, right? Especially when you've got multiple kids, you can't be transferring fecal matter and, and germs and God knows what from, from one baby to another, right? Yeah. 
So you have to have, you've completely wiped down the surface. You've got to take the baby, you've got to completely wash your hands, scrub them like surgical style. You've got to take the baby, you've got to change the diaper. You've got to dispose of the old diaper. You've got to put the baby back. The baby might be fussy, and you've got to completely clean the area again, right? That's 10 minutes right there. Now, if you just have one caregiver, six babies, and a baby needs changing every hour, and it takes 10 minutes, that's your 60 minutes right there. All that's happening is the babies are getting their diapers changed. That's it. And that's assuming they do a good job. Otherwise, they're just transferring fecal matter from one baby to another, God knows what, right? So, and, and that's assuming the babies all have, need, they all poop and pee at just the right time, <laughs> you know, all in a sequence like dominoes, right? It's, no, it's not, it's not good. Now, it may be better than an abusive household, but it's interesting that you can't talk about this with your sister. And you know, with the reason, so you haven't talked about things with your mom, like, Mom, have you not even noticed that I'm really upset and I'm not enjoying my motherhood as much as I'd like to? You haven't been able to say that. You haven't been able to be assertive with your daughter, and you haven't been able to say to your sister, listen, I'm sorry if this upsets you, but here's, like, do the research, right? Here's, here's the facts. I think you, you may be making a mistake, right? And, and you say, well, I don't want to upset her. It's like, it's not about her. It's about the kids. Like, once you become a parent, you know this. It's not about you. It's about your kids. Yeah. At least when they're young. So here's where... I see it, that you have trouble being assertive. Because with your daughter, if you're angry at your daughter, you can say, listen, I'm not happy with you at the moment. I do not like it when you yell at me. I'm if, you, if you're crying, if you're upset, I care. I will do anything to make you feel better. I don't like it when you yell at me. Now, of course, is she going to understand what you're saying down to the last syllable? No, but kids read tone like blind people read Braille. So you, you have to be free to be honest with your children. Otherwise, you have a relationship based upon fakery, right? What is the bond? The bond, Tracy, is just honesty. That's all it is. And if you're putting on that tight female smile and pretending everything's fine and and suppressing your preferences, and, and right, it's going to blow up to the point where you're smashing a baby monitor, right? The bond is just honesty. The bond is founded upon the ability to displease people. That's what a bond is. The ability to displease people. That, that's all a bond, honesty, right? Look, if, if everyone's getting along, you don't need a bond, right? What do you need a bond for? You need a bond for when you're not getting along. When you disagree fundamentally or foundationally, that, that's what the bond is for. That's why I asked, can you disagree with your mom? Can you disagree with your daughter? And so if you're not free to disagree with people, you can't have a bond with them. The bond is, I'm going to be inconvenient, and I trust you enough, and I trust your love for me enough you will be okay with me being inconvenient. And you have to be willing to inconvenience your daughter. In other words, not give her what she wants whenever she wants it. Yeah. Because that's no bond. That's not trusting the bond. You can disagree with your daughter. In fact, you must disagree with your daughter. You can't let her bully you and manipulate you because that harms the bond. That's saying, well, if I don't appease you, you won't love me. But that's not having a bond. That's just being scared. 
you can't disagree with your sister. Why? I can tell you why. I can tell you exactly why you can't disagree with your sister because you're afraid she's going to cut you out, right? Yeah, and I'm so already socially isolated, I can't lose one more. Right. So if you disagree with someone and they will sever the relationship, that's called not having a bond. And you're afraid that if you disagree with your daughter, that you'll lose your bond with her, but the whole point of the bond is you have to be able to disagree. You don't have a bond with your sister because you can't say to your sister what you know to be right and what you know to be beneficial. Like, let's say that you're right, or I'm right, or we're right about the daycare, and if she waits too long, she'll never be able to have a proper bond with her kids, right? So that means that their teenage years are going to be really, really tough, right? And to, to be willing to not speak the truth that might help that family and help those kids means that you're just afraid she's going to say, to hell with you. Who are you to blah, 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 right? And then she's just going to throw things in your face and she's going to snarl and she's going to, and then she's just going to hang up forcefully and not return your calls for six months or whatever, right? That's called not having a bond. Like, it's not a relationship if you can't speak your mind. If you can't be honest, if you are cowed into lying continually, that's the real prison, is just not being able to tell the truth. It's like there's political correctness out there. Oh, you can't say this fact. Oh, you can't say that. I mean, you know, we all recognize that, and it's, you know, it's just something we have to navigate. It shouldn't be happening with family. The bond is disagreement. If you're not free to disagree, you have no bond. And disagree strongly. And I don't want the lack of bond you have with your sister. We haven't talked much about your brother, the lack of bond that you may have with your mother and that she doesn't even know that you're unhappy, I don't want you to recreate that with your daughter. And the way to break it is to disagree. And that's going to make you terrified. She's not yeah. going to love me if I disagree with her. No. She's not going to love you if all you do is agree in a piece. Because there's no you to love. Do you disagree with your husband? Yes. Good. Good. <laughs> Good. That's the bond, right? You, he's not going to leave you if you disagree with him, right? Right. In fact, if you just always complied with him, he'd be like, I don't even know who I'm coming on. I'm living with a ghost, right? Right. This scan of our relationships, who can I disagree with? Who can I be honest with? Who can I speak my mind to? It's some chilling shit, man. It really is. When you realize that we live these lives of paranoid self-censorship, sometimes from birth to death, without trust, without solidity, without challenging people or being challenged, just tiptoeing, 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 right? Right. Yeah. You do disagree with people. I disagree with people. People disagree with you. They disagree with me. We can either lie about that or we can be honest about that. 
And knowing that the bond issue was central to you, if you cast your mind back to the beginning of this conversation, yeah. what was the first piece of major feedback I gave to you after you had talked for a few minutes? I said about the... You can't will it. No, it was before that. Do you remember the train track example? Oh, yeah. You think you can put your ear to the ground to hear it coming. And what was I talking about? I think you were talking about the expectations and what you think is going to happen when you have a baby. No, but it's interesting that you'd forget that. What I was talking about is you had a very strong undercurrent of emotions that you weren't talking about. Oh. And when you listen back to this, you'll hear this, right? And three times in the conversation, I've noticed you getting really emotional and I paused you to talk about that. Now, I don't imagine that's happening with your mom. Because you're all clown smile on the surface, right? Yeah. Everything's hunky-dory, right? Because if things aren't hunky-dory, if you're having trouble bonding with your daughter, there's a reason you can't talk about that with your mom, right? There's a reason you're talking about that with me. Because if you can't bond with your daughter, where does that lead to? Where do those breadcrumbs lead? To the same relationship I have with my mom. Yeah, to her. And this is why in your relationships, it's very tough to let falsehoods pile up. Sorry, say that one more time. In your relationships, it's very tough when you let falsehoods pile up. So the reason I'm saying that is for 11 months, and I, I, I'm... Give or take, right? But for 11 months, you've been saying, oh, you've been lying to your mother about your experience as a mother, right? Yeah. I'm not saying 100%, but this stuff, right? Which is very important. Yeah. So now, if you tell your truth, if you tell the truth to your mother, one of the first things she's going to say is, why would you have kept this from me for 11 months? And then it becomes about that. Rather than, why didn't you notice? Mom, why didn't you notice I was not loving motherhood? And then she says the same thing that everyone who doesn't have a strong bond says. And that sentence is this. Tracy. I'm not a mind reader. You have to tell me. I can't read your mind. You have to tell me what's going on. And then it becomes about you not being honest, rather about them having all the perceptiveness of your average dead cavefish. I assume you don't bottle things up for 11 months with your husband. No. Good. Good. Okay, so you have that, right? Mm -hmm. That comparison, right? There's sleep training, and then there's disagreement training. And you've done the sleep training. Now you have to do the disagreement training. And it's going to be disagreeable, right? But if you want to have a relationship with your daughter, you have to act on the premise that you can disagree with her 
and you still have a relationship. Otherwise, it's not a relationship, it's a tyranny. Yeah, that's And I, I went through this whole phase 16, 17, 18 years ago. And excuse my coarseness, I'm not sure how delicate your ears are. But I said, fuck it, I'm just going to tell the truth. Fuck it, I'm just going to tell the truth. And uh, there wasn't a lot left standing afterwards, but what, what was standing has stood the test of time. I just, I, I, I couldn't spend the rest of my life just falsifying my existence. And I'm concerned about that with you. And I don't mean to be like a concern troll. You, you can deal with this. You can handle this. You've got the example of your husband. You've listened to philosophy. You, you can deal with this fine. I, I, but the reason I, I want you to have absolute certainty in your relationships. Absolute certainty in your relationships. Absolute certainty means I don't just love you because you disagree with me. Sorry, I don't just love you despite you disagreeing with me. I love you because you disagree with me. Because that shows that you're independent, that we're two different people, and you respect our relationship enough to disagree with me. And I don't mean manipulate or yell or call names. I mean, I'm sure that's not in your repertoire anyway. But... It's not a relationship if you can't disagree, if you can't tell the truth. You know, there's a way of ghosting people while still being in the room. You know how the kids, like these days, they ghost, they just stop returning. There's a way of ghosting people. Your mom was over, and you said you felt lonely when she left, right? Yeah. Right. And I think you may have felt lonely because she left, and you still hadn't told the truth. And there's another opportunity missed. Another reinforcement of the bad habit of emerta, of self-imposed silence, right? Everyone who loves you must love your disagreements with them because no two people agree. And also, you know how Sonar works, right? You, set, you send out this sound and it bounces back from things. And that's how you navigate when it's dark out. In other words, we navigate because of resistance, because something bounces back from us. And that's how you know there's some metallic object out there, right? Yeah. Without people's disagreements with us, we can't navigate. Without disagreeing with people and having them disagree with us, we can't navigate. And you can't navigate motherhood if you're complying with everyone. It's like flying a plane at night with no sonar, with no radar. Yeah. Now, if you think about talking about this stuff with your mom, and I don't just mean the problems you have with your daughter, but problems you have with your mother, what's the feeling that emerges in your heart if you think of calling her up right after we have this conversation? I'm not saying you should or shouldn't, but if you think about calling her up right after this conversation and say, Mom, we have a problem. You and I have a problem. Me and my daughter have a problem. I think they're related. What is the feeling that comes in you at that thought? 
on. I'm, I don't know that I'd be able to string some sentences together even. Anxiety, like one to 10. What do you say? Nine. Nine. Is it, is it like terror? I just, I feel like all my muscles getting tight right now just thinking about it. Right. Right. And I think it would be, I almost feel like I'd have to script it first. Right. So it's a terrifying conversation, right? Right, because it, it, it where do I start? Do I start with my present feelings or do I start with, you know, back when I was an infant and going forward and I'd have to, I'd have to choreograph it <laughs> for that. Okay. Let's, let's try this. Okay. You be your mom. I'll be you. All right. Okay. This is how I would do it. Because if you, if you overthink it, right, overthinking comes from a desire to control the consequences. You can't control the consequences. You can't control other people. You can't control your daughter. You can't control how your mother's going to react. But what I would say is, Mom, I've been, and I'm, I'm exaggerating here, but not because I want to, you know, I'll be more accurate. Okay. I would say, Mom, I've had significant problems as a mother, and you've been around for like 11 months. You haven't noticed a thing. That troubles me. Really troubles me. Haven't noticed what? I, 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 I don't feel like I have much of a bond with my daughter. I, I get angry. I, I smash things. I raise my voice, I, I, I feel out of control, I feel isolated, I, I miss work, I, like I'm really struggling here. And, 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 and you've been around a lot and, and there's nothing. You've noticed nothing. Do you not see? Well, when I'm around, I see you looking happy and I see your daughter looking at you and looking for you and she doesn't want to be held by me, she wants to be with you. Eventually she warms up to me, but she adores you and you seem like you adore her. What are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about that I've, I think I've had to put on a front. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm terrified even now bringing this up with you. I, I, something is wrong in that I feel like I can't confide in my own mother. I, 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 feel, I feel scared to even talk to you about this now. And I think I'm really scared of disappointing you, of, of, of being rejected. Uh, by you, and, and I feel really isolated because I, 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 I can't talk about my challenges as a mother with you, who, who, who's been a mother. Well, of course you can talk to me. What do, you, what do you mean? You can talk to me whenever you want. Do you think that my fear about talking to you is just crazy, like it's I mean, and I'm not, I don't mean this antagonistically. Like, I mean, so when I say, like, I feel really scared to talk, do you think that's just totally made up on my point? Like, there's, there's, there could be no risk in this? Well, what are you scared of? What I'm going to say, what I'm going to do? What are, what are you scared of? Why are you scared? Of talking about this with you? Yeah, why are you scared? I don't, I don't understand the scared part. I'm your mom. You can tell me anything. I, I'm scared that 
the lack of bond I feel with my daughter might be reflective of the lack of bond I have with you. Like, it's a great point. Why on earth would I be scared about talking about something with my own mother? But what if a lack of bond with my daughter reflects a lack of bond between us, which is why I'm scared to talk about it with you? And what do you mean by lack of bond? Well, is that a complicated word? I'm not sure. It's not Latin. I mean, lack, a lack of bond, a lack, lack of security and, and, and comfort and safety and spontaneity and honesty in the relationship. Like, I, I've been hiding something from you for 11 months. You haven't noticed. Does that speak well to our bond? Well, whenever I see you, you seem fine. I, you right, seem so like you, you don't even know when I'm unhappy. Well, how am I supposed to know if you don't tell me? But that's the whole point of a bond. It's just supposed to be able to know. You understand that? That's my. That's why I'm frightened to bring this up, Mom. Because, because you're supposed to know you're my mother, but you don't, and that's why I hide, and that's why I I'm having trouble connecting with my own daughter. And I'm not saying it's your fault. I mean, you, you had your mother, and but I think it's related, and that's why I'm scared to bring it up. How could you not know that I was unhappy? Well, you're doing a good job of hiding it. So it's all me. You have no responsibility to know when your daughter's unhappy. I'm such a fantastic actor, I should get the Oscar for 11 months. And there's nothing on you about any own onus of, of, of knowing your, your daughter. Well, I know that breastfeeding was difficult for you. I know that sleep was difficult for you until things started to get better. I know that um, you have brought up missing work and missing your coworkers and uh, that sort of thing. So I, I know I know about that. Well, you're talking about the things I've talked about. Right. That's not the issue. The issue is not the things that I've talked about. I already said that. The issue is that I'm afraid to bring something up. And part of the reason I'm afraid to bring something up is that because you haven't, you either, ha I mean, have you had any idea that I might be less happy than I appear? No. Not, not one single idea. It never, no. I mean, I'm just, I just want to be clear. I'm not trying to blame you. Like in the 11 months <clears throat> since I became a mother, you've never once had the thought that I might not be as happy as I seem. If I did, I would attribute that to you not getting enough sleep and not... Wait, you know, wait what do you mean if you did? Did you or didn't you? Well, if, if the thought occurred to me that something was off and I'm, you know, I, I can't pull up an example right now, but if I were to have seen something that struck me as not characteristic or off or bad or something, if something had struck me in that sense... I would have attributed it to new motherhood, the new, you know, operations of having a baby, the lack of sleep, the lack of control over your life like you had before you had a baby. Um, I'm getting to know a new you. So if there was something that seemed off, I probably wouldn't have picked up on it as a cue related to our bond. I would have thought of it as something related to just the vagaries of being a new mom. And you wouldn't have asked me about it if you'd thought about it? 
No. Because you're complaining about me not communicating to you, but if you have concerns about me and you don't communicate them to me, isn't that the same thing? Yes. And yes, I think you're right. I don't... If I'm picking up on something and I don't bring it up to you, yes, that's on me. But if you don't trust me enough to say, hey... I want to talk to you about something. Wait, 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 wait. You just took ownership for something and then you immediately moved it back to me. Side note, that's that's pretty characteristic. I know. I, I, oh, I get it. I, I'm, okay. I'm getting a sense of your mom here. So let's, let's keep going. So I'd say, listen, you took ownership for something, albeit somewhat theoretical, then you immediately turned it back to me. Mm-hmm. Is that reasonable? I mean, you're the mom here, right? I mean, if, if I have a habit, most likely it came from you, right? Because you're the mom. I speak English because you spoke English, right? I live in the country I live in because you had me there, right? And, and so if I have a habit of non-communication, if you have that habit, it most likely came from you. Is that, is that fair to say? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I guess so. I, I, what are you trying to, to do to me? What, what do you need me to say here? Wait, what are you going rubber bones on me for? I'm just asking you a logical question. Well, I feel like you're kind of painting me into a corner. I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know what you're trying to get me to say. I, I don't even know what that sentence means. Let's just pretend that that didn't happen because I don't know how to parse that. If you, you said that you might not, or you wouldn't communicate to me if you thought that there was something amiss, right? And so I'm saying maybe that's part of the problem. Like if you have things that you keep hidden in secret within yourself, then, and I'm not saying it's 100% you. I'm, I'm an adult. Like, I have my own responsibilities here. But if you keep things and don't communicate to them, them to me, right? If, if you have thoughts about, oh, maybe, maybe my daughter is upset, right? And, and, and you don't communicate those things to me. And then you say to me all wide-eyed and wondrous, well, why wouldn't you communicate things to me? It's like, well, you're already not communicating things to me. And maybe that's partly why. I have trouble communicating with you because sometimes you don't communicate with me some things that you're thinking that, that could be important, like maybe my daughter's not happy. Mm. Tracy, I don't know. I don't, I don't try to uh, overthink things. You're an adult. I figure if you've got this, I mean, look at, look at all the things you have. Wait, no, no, have- no, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. And I, I, I don't appreciate the insult of overthinking things. I'm trying to be honest about my thoughts and feelings here. Now, if you don't want me to be honest about my thoughts and feelings, you can tell me that, and we can stop this conversation. Well, I, but when I, I am talking to you, too. mother, wait, when I'm talking to you about my thoughts and feelings, I expect you, as my mother, as someone who loves me, to listen. Now, if you don't want to listen to my thoughts and feelings, you can tell me that right now. But don't start saying, well, I'm overthinking things. Like, that's, that's rude, you understand? That's, that's disrespectful to, to what I'm trying to do here. Okay, so now I'm rude. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sure you don't want to continue talking to somebody who's rude. So why don't I? Why don't I? Why don't I head out? There we go. Right, and that's what you're afraid of, right? Yeah. Right. So you, because I mean, I wasn't yelling at her, but I, I don't appreciate when I'm trying to talk, like as you, trying to talk about my thoughts and feelings with someone, and they start insulting me by saying I'm overthinking things. Like that's just a rude, right? That's a rude, rude response, right? And it would have happened so much sooner in the conversation. I feel like with with my mom. So she I, doesn't, I, she doesn't want to know, she doesn't want to know what you think and feel. No, I don't. If it's inconvenient to her, if it upsets her, right? Well, there you go. Yeah. Right. So there's no bond. And, you know, that's a strong thing to say. That's, there's not a strong bond in the way that I would understand it. 
no, I think you're, I think you've, I think you're spot on. Right. So you're afraid that if you're authentic, you'll lose your mother, and you're afraid if you're authentic, you'll lose your sister, and you're afraid if you're authentic, you'll lose your daughter. But they're lost anyway. Anyone who can make you falsify your own existence, there's no relationship anyway. Like you're holding on to something that's not there anyway. I just think I've done this my whole life. Like, uh, yeah. I don't want to inconvenience people with my... It's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a chick thing. Sorry? What's it's a bit that? of a chick thing. A if chick you don't mind me saying so. Wait, to, to not want to inconvenience people? Yeah, yeah, come on. You, you, you've heard this a billion times. Oh, sorry, you know, the woman won't. Oh, sorry, right? I mean, it, it, it's a bit more of a female thing than a male thing. And women have different strengths and yeah. men have oh, different yeah. strengths. But, you know, just so you understand, right? I mean, it took me a little while to get some of these male-female differences and not think we're just one blob. Uh, of, of, you know, like Star Trek, Unileotard sameness, this um, desire to please and this desire not to inconvenience is a little bit stronger on, on the woman's side, right? Yeah. And it has its strengths, but, it, you know, it definitely has its, its challenges, right? Yeah. Can I ask you a question, Steph? Yeah. At, when you said you, 16, 17 years ago, decided to just be honest, did you... Did you right away start feeling better about yourself and having more self-respect? Oh, God, no. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> it's like saying the guy, well, you're 400 pounds, and that day when you first started feeling dieting, did you run a marathon? It's like, sure didn't. It felt bad. Yeah. Yeah, it felt bad. But, but, the re but you have a reason to do it, right? See, if it's just you, like if, if you were just you and, and not a mom, then I'd say, hey, you know, you can... You got the choice to continue this way of kind of not being. That's that's fine. You, because it's just you, right? Now your husband may have something to say, but he's there by choice and all that, right? But <laughs> the good news is you don't have a choice in this. You know, this is not a free will situation, because you have a daughter who needs you and needs the bond, right? And so you don't have a choice as to whether to continue in this way of compliance, right? Say now, that one more. You, you, you don't have a choice because it's not about you anymore. It's about your daughter and what she needs, right? right? And sure. what your daughter needs is for you to disagree with her, for you both to be in the room, for you to negotiate. And, you know, I, I know she's 11 months. And there's people out there who are going to be, Steph, you're insane. What are you talking about negotiating with an 11-month-old? It's like, no, but she's already negotiating with you, which is where this high-pitched crying comes from, this, this keening, this, this eh, right, nails on a blackboard to get you to do something, right? Yeah. And you, you, you can't give in. I don't want to say don't negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> you can't give in to that stuff because you're just, you're feeding the beast within her, right? You just, when you can't negotiate, you just, you just bully people or, or whatever it is, right? You just, you can't, you, you, you can't, like, if it's just you, that's your choice, but it's your daughter and, and you're responsible for what's best for her, right? And, and that's not compliance, girl, right? Right. And, and you hate it anyway. Which is why you're smashing up the monitor, right? You want to, you, you don't want to pass through this life like so many people. You know, there's this old saying, I didn't really understand it when I was a kid or younger. Most men live lives of quiet desperation. You may have heard that phrase. It's an old British phrase. Most men, British? yeah, most oh. men live lives of quiet desperation. Well, what does that mean? It means that they go from birth to grave, 
only being honest within their own minds, never manifesting honesty in the world. Because it's, it's, it's scary. Listen, when I was role-playing you and it was your mom, I'm like, holy ice queen, Batman, that's terrifying. Because all she was doing, and by the way, great job. <laughs> Good Lord, I could, like your voice changed and everything. It was like, holy crap. No, it's because all she was doing was maneuvering. Yeah. All she was doing was maneuvering. We could, we could spend two hours just analyzing that little role play. Like, and, and, oh, and, you know, people will do it in the comments. But all, all, all she was doing was maneuvering, right? How can I make my daughter wrong and me be in the right? It was all a strategy. She didn't have any interest in what you were feeling. She just couldn't handle anything that could be considered critical of her. Why? Because she doesn't have a bond with herself, right? So when I say you got to have a bond, the bond, the bond is, is, is defined by our ability to disagree with each other. You know, there's a reason I put out videos like why I was wrong about this, why I was wrong about nationalism, why I was wrong about... Because I'm wrong sometimes, but I have a good relationship with myself, and so I don't have to be perfect. But your mother, in the role play, she was like full alert at the very beginning, maneuver, maneuver, maneuver. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And then she did this great thing where she said, well, theoretically, if I had noticed something, right? So then she can pull the theoretical rug and and discharge that part of the conversation. And then, well, yes, I could have maybe, but then you, right, and that's why I stopped her and said, listen, you you just immediately turned it back on me. This is a woman who can't look inside and say, I could do something better. I may have done something not good. I may have done something that could have been better. I may have done something wrong. We all do it, right? We're all human. We all make mistakes. Even the brightest sunny day, the, the sun has sunspots. It doesn't mean that it's the same as nighttime. But she's just full alert immediate, immediate manipulation. And then when she's proven wrong, she jumps out of the conversation. So I don't want to do that to my daughter ever. If she comes up with a conversation like this. I don't want to. I don't well, want to. I, I don't want you. To, I don't want to have any reason to bring up this conversation with you, which is why we're spending this much time yep. on this, right? Right. My daughter... And it drives my wife a little crazy sometimes, but we get into mock arguments all the time. And and we're really passionate about it, right? Like, she's pretty ferocious, and she's very good at, at figuring out where the logical flaws are and all of that. And, I, you know, trying to explain, it's it's just our form of play fighting. You know how, like, you, you, you the dads wrestle with the kids on the floor and all that? It's just, a, it's all it is. It's not serious. We're not, like, fighting with each other. We're just wrestling verbally, right? about something and and I, I love that because she knows that she can really strongly disagree with me and I love her all the more for it right. and and because of that things don't go astray right so you know I'll say to her on a you know a couple of times a week you know how are things going? Is there anything I can do better? Is there anything that needs to change? Is there anything that you would prefer? Are we not doing something you like to do? Are we doing too much of stuff you don't want to do? Now, that doesn't mean she gets to then write the manifesto for the household, but I definitely want to know where she's at so we can negotiate from two real things, right? Two, two real people with, with different needs, which is natural. Right. So when my daughter, if I have to go somewhere and she's upset in the car, just as an example, because this something that's likely to happen right do i just speak to her from the driver's seat and say i'm sorry nope we have to go no there. see that's cold right see no that's cold because it, it's funny and this is this is typical 
Um, and I don't mean to say like you're a cliche or anything like that, but but I remember this from my own beginning to work with assertiveness. So we're either dismissive of our feelings or we're dismissive of their feelings, right? Right. In other words, you either say, fine, I won't go, right? And then you're dismissive of your own feelings or right. you're like, hey, sorry, we got to go. Too bad, right? And we're dismissive of our child's feelings. Right. But there's no reason we have to be dismissive of either person's feelings. So if it's possible for you to not go, then say, you know what? Let's, let's goof off this afternoon. I can do it later, right? But if you do have to go or you really want to go and you don't feel like staying home, then you say, I am so sorry. This is terrible. You want to stay home. I really want to go out. I, I, I'm so sorry. This is, this is going to be really upsetting for you. And I get it. I mean, I get it. You, re, you really, really, really want to stay home. And I really, really, really want to go out. Now, you could cheat a little and say, I have to go out or I need to go out. And those times it's true. You've got a dentist appointment, doctor's appointment, whatever, right? So you can be incredibly sympathetic to her feelings without giving in to them. And that's all she'll need. Right, so she's, she's screaming because she feels that her feelings are being dismissed. Because when you said earlier, it wasn't even a role play, you said, like, sorry, we got to go, right? Yeah. Well, there's no reason why you can't be incredibly sympathetic to her feelings and take her anyway. Oh, man, I know you would, how much would you give to stay home? It would be the greatest thing ever, and I'm so, so sorry that we have to go. It's... Sometimes adult is just, you gotta have to, you have to do stuff and you know, you'll get, and she won't know all the words, but she'll get the tone, right? She, you really get, she's unhappy about going. I'm like, I'm so sorry. That's terrible. It's terrible that you have to go to bed. Oh man, we're having so much fun. I'm so sorry that you have to go to bed. It's terrible. Now let's get up and go. You know, like you, you don't have to dismiss either your feelings or her feelings. It can be perfectly present in the... In the conversation, both of your feelings can be perfectly present. And you can have real sympathy for your daughter not getting her way. Like, so she's yelling, you know, she's yelling at you. She, like, I don't know, let's just take a silly. She wants another cookie, right? Yeah. Right? And she's yelling at you. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, man. I want a cookie so bad, like I'm, I'm drooling like a shark throwing up, right? I, I love cookies so much. They're so tasty. And... I, I even like licking the bits out of, between my teeth, like later. That's how much I love cookies. I love the raisin oatmeal. I love the, uh, the peanut butter. I, I love the, the, the um, chocolate chip. They're so good. I would, I would love to have another, another cookie. I just, but it's not good for us. You know, like I'm so, I'm so sorry. You really, really, really want another cookie. And I totally understand that. I do too. But, you know. You got to say no to stuff. I mean, that's just part of, of being a human. We all want this stuff. We got to say no. And again, will she get all the words? No, but, but she, she's validated. She's, she's, you understand her. You can understand someone's feelings and preferences without budging. And 99% and of the time, that solves the conflict. Because if your child feels that their emotions are being dismissed, then they feel the bond is threatened because they feel like they're... Emotions are so inconvenient to you that you just have to shut them down and pretend that they don't exist. That's not the actions of a strong person, right? I mean, not that you're not a strong person, but in that moment, in that relational conflict, you can totally, oh man, you, you, you really, really want to watch that movie. I, I get it, you know, like, but 
I'm sorry, it has scary things in it that's only for adults. Like, I'm, I'm just like, oh man, I remember when I was a kid. I remember when I was a kid, I wanted to go watch a vampire movie, and then I did, and I was like, well, that was a really terrible idea, but how much I wanted to was, was crazy, right? So you can completely sympathize with your daughter's preferences and still say no, and you'll be amazed at how much that reduces the conflict. more of that you mean you still have some times where you're going to dismiss your daughter's feelings no meaning i need to i need to do that embrace those feelings yeah. there's nothing wrong with you and her having completely opposite emotions you can sympathize with her emotions you can sympathize with your own emotions i guess i i, I just throw away my own emotions when right she's emotional yeah, you th yeah, when she's emotional, you're like, oh, fine, right? You, you dismiss your own emotions. And then they show up in some other way, right? And just as in the role play, your mother dismissed your entire emotional apparatus in what was the most important conversation of your adult life with her. She just, it was automatic. She didn't even think about it. There was no hesitation. There was no doubt. It was a glass wall to the sky. Yeah. So that's that's really scary stuff, man. That is that is you better please me or I'm I'm breaking the bond. Now that's one thing if you're an adult, that's painful enough when you're an adult and she might hang up on you. When you're three or two or four, it's beyond terrifying. Like you understand, we are we are programmed as biological creatures. But we can't displease our parents too much, or they're just gonna leave us on an ice floe. Like in, in, in a world where there was never enough food to go around. We displease our parents. We die. Yeah. You know, when the bear's charging and you can only save two of the three kids, you don't want to be the least popular kid, right? Right. So as, as a kid, if your mother threatened a withdrawal of the bond or the pretend bond, if you didn't please her, you will please her. And you will cease to have sensitivity to your own emotions. You can't process her emotions because her emotions are kind of bullying and tyrannical. And that's where you end up with your daughter. And you want to break that cycle. I mean, that's why you're calling, right? You really, really want to break that cycle, which I, I can't tell you how much I respect that. It's an incredibly courageous and powerful thing to do. To fully Thank embrace you. your daughter and, and listen, respect your daughter for trying to get her way. So it's like she's whining and screaming. It's like, man, you are committed. You know, like you, you want that cookie like you'd reach through a wall to get it. And it's so frustrating that I'm the one who has to get you the cookie. You can't just fly with a jetpack and go and get the cookie. Like how annoying is that? It's incredibly frustrating for a kid, right? You just, you want one thing and you've got to get this big giant Michelin woman to go get it for you and she's just not doing it. It's really frustrating. And embrace that in your daughter. She, you want to maintain that willpower in her. You want to maintain that ferocity of, of drive and desire, but just not to bully people with it, right? But to, to enroll people, to, to, to get people excited about supporting her or helping her or find other ways to get what she wants other than screaming, right? But you got to respect the screaming, man. That's good for her, man. She wants that cookie. She wants to not go to bed. She likes, you, you don't want to break that will, right? 
Right. Embrace it. It's a beautiful thing. You know, when she's screaming at you, she's saying, I want, I want. That's the fact. That, that's why we have houses, why we have the computers, is why we're able to have this conversation. It's a beautiful thing in humanity, that ferocious will to, to achieve, to get, to, to attain. You know, treasure that in her. It's a beautiful, I mean, don't let her bully you with it because you don't want to turn it rancid, but it's a beautiful thing. It just was very threatening to your mom, but you're not your mom, right? Right. I just came to a, like a thought um, in the email I wrote about leaving that party because she was inconsolable crying. And I was really, I wrote that I was embarrassed. This whole like non-reveal of emotions. I wouldn't have been embarrassed if she had hidden how she felt, but obviously as a baby, she's not going to hide how she feels. So here she was feeling and emoting and I was embarrassed by it. No, but here's the thing, man. This is what, if you really want to get the respect for your daughter that I think she deserves, she was crying because you were embarrassed of her. Because you bonded more with the people and you betrayed your loyalty to her. Your loyalty is with your child. If you're embarrassed of your child, it means your loyalty is with these strangers at the expense of your child. So she read the room perfectly well, I guarantee you. She read that room and she's like, my mom is ashamed of me. My mom is embarrassed to have me here. My mom cares more for the feelings of these random strangers than her loyalty to me. Now, again, loyalty to your daughter doesn't mean that everything she does is fine and she can just do it. That's not what I'm talking about. Let's say you have a very high-strung daughter. Let's say you have a daughter who takes more time to warm up to people. So fucking what? Like, you can't get embarrassed by that. I mean, you can if you want, but you're just, you're shredding the bond, right? No, I just thought that being, staying home and establishing a bond, which I'm learning isn't obviously intact. It's not as strong as it could be. I mean, you know, you, you obviously care enormously about your daughter and, and you're having this call. So right. there's a bond, right? It, it could use a bit of sprucing, I think. But, but you see, <clears throat> then you have an expectation, right? So you have an expectation that your daughter is going to be well behaved in this social situation, right? Yes, right. And she wasn't. And, and you have choices about that. So when you have an expectation that isn't met, you can get angry or you can just say, you know what, in life sometimes your expectations aren't met. Especially by someone who's 10 months old. It happens. It happens. And your loyalty is with your daughter. Because if she starts to get upset and then she sees you getting even more upset, what's that going to do with her? Well, over time. No, no. On the day. I don't mean permanently due to her, but what I mean is what association is she going to make? That I'm ashamed of her or embarrassed by her. And, and again, if, you, if that happens year after year, you're going to internalize it. And then what will happen is she will become a, quote, good baby. 
And then you know what you'll be really frustrated at? She doesn't have a lot of strong willpower. She doesn't know what she wants to do with her life. She's inert. She's too compliant. She lets people push her around. She follows the crowd. She bonds with the wrong people, right? Then you'll be really frustrated at that. Especially, I mean, if you're listening to a show like this, you've got to preserve your kids' independence and fight because they're going to need it. Yeah. No, I, I've, said, I've said this to my daughter. I've said, listen, if we're ever, and this has happened a couple times, I won't get into details, but if we're ever in a public space and there's a conflict involving you, I'm on your side. You can absolutely try. I'm on your side. And I have fought like a hyena for the last bone of the giraffe with people who've uh, got problems with my daughter in public. And I'm like, I'm on your side. I said, listen, this doesn't mean I won't. I may disagree with you about something, but I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm on your side. Well, if we have a conversation about it, it's going to be later. But I'm, I'm, I'm in your corner. I'm on your side. 150%. I will never choose strangers against you. I will never choose family against you. I will never choose anyone against you. And that's how it's been. And she doesn't act up. You should have heard her in the sub shop today. Oh, I'll take a little bit of lettuce, please. And um, no cheese, thank you very much. And if I could get just a little bit of onions and blah, blah, blah. Like, just people are like, she's really, really polite. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, she's perfectly secure. Why, why wouldn't she be pleasant, right? Once we were at a dinner and some kid was saying something that was just false, right? And now you could say that it was just a flight of fancy, but whatever, right? And my daughter said, uh, I don't believe you. And her dad got angry. She's just trying to be creative, right? And I said, and this was years ago, right? and I said, but look, my, my daughter doesn't believe her. And I, well, I don't believe her either. I mean, that's fine. But I mean, I'm, I'm not going to police what she says. But she's saying something that's not true. And my daughter said that she doesn't believe her. What's wrong with that? And the, the, the dad got really mad, really angry. Well, I'm not backing down. I'm not going to say to my daughter, you should be quiet if you think people are lying because other people might get angry. Now, was it lying? Was it flight of fancy? She didn't say you're lying. She said, I don't believe you, which is a perfectly true statement. And we just stood our ground and I stormed off and, you know, what are you going to do? But I'm with her. The fact that some other dad's getting mad, what do I, I mean, I'm, this is my daughter. What do I care about this other dad? This is my daughter. It's flesh and blood, man. She's, she's, she's there forever. This party you were at, people will come and go. 
fact, your daughter, man, that's it. That's, you know, that's your loyalty, man. That's, that's where you're at. And your loyalty to her better self means that you don't let the darker side of all of her nature take control and, and bully you, right? You, you, because you love her. So you won't be bullied by her because you don't want to feed that part of her any more than you'd want to feed her a steady diet of sugar. You don't want to feed her a steady diet of compliance, right? There was another kid once who was saying, um, my daughter said, oh yeah, we went to see the Angry Birds movie or whatever, right? And uh, this guy, the kid was, oh, I've seen that. And it was, you knew it was kind of one-upmanship, right? And my daughter said, uh, oh, really? Which, which was your favorite part? And the kid said, this, this, and this. And my daughter said, those were all the parts that were in the trailer. Can you think of a part that wasn't in the trailer that you liked? Any part at all? <laughs> right? Now, of course, a lot of parents would be like, hey, it's like, yeah, that's, a, that's fair. She thinks the other kid is, is making something up. And she's cross-examining them at the age of seven, which is, you know, that's great, right? No problem with that. I'm not going to interfere with that process. That's fair. That's right. I'm not going to punish the kid. Not the kid said something that was kind of, you know, wasn't true and claimed to see a movie he hadn't really seen. It's not some capital crime or anything. But I'm not going to interfere with my daughter if the kid gets mad. Like, yeah. These are fair questions to ask. You made a claim. She's testing your claims. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, loyalties with with your family. And if you are intimidated by a ten-month-old or eleven-month-old, you're teaching her that she's big and scary that's not going to give her a very good relationship in the long run with herself, right? No. Does that, does this help? I mean, this is most of, of what it is that I wanted to say, but because I've been ch chatterboxing away like, like a Pac-Man swallowing syllables, um, has it been helpful for you? Is, is there... Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it's been very helpful for me. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Um, no, I mean... That's either closure or exhaustion. I'm not sure which because, you know, fucking mom's like, like you're so tired anyway. Just shut up and yeah. let me sleep. <laughs> no, seriously. But it's it's been... Um, I remember you saying something about how People say, oh, the time goes by so fast. And it does, but if you're home, the time doesn't really, that doesn't really apply. <laughs> no, it doesn't. So much as, like, you're there. You don't see these big, huge leaps in time, like people who who drop their kids off somewhere or leave them with a nanny. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, it's watching a movie on Fast Forward. It's like, wow, that movie went by fast. It's like, right. and sometimes parenting seems pretty damn slow, I tell you. Yeah. Feel like it'd be going on forever. My daughter's only dead, <laughs> right? It's it's a long haul, man. It's a long haul. It's a marathon, not a sprint. So you better find a great way to enjoy it. And listen, I, I, you you can, you absolutely can. I I have full confidence that that you'll find this a lot easier than than you think. I mean, it's going to kick up some emotional stuff, but you got your husband there. 
who you can talk about this stuff with and and you'll you'll be able to handle this i'm sure and it's going to be a great experience and i think you'll be amazed at, at how quickly things change with your daughter because she's early it's early days right she's you know by the time there are five it's kind of you know the concrete is kind of hardened like some antipa milkshake but um at this stage it's so malleable that you can change this course and and it'll be great good no i'm i needed this i had no i had no way i have no way of knowing how this conversation was gonna go <laughs> well what was the most surprising part don't just give me the stuff that was in the trailer either i'll know <laughs> well just the the bond goes back a generation. It's yeah. not just a bond with me and her. Probably it's a, a bond lot, with me a lot of generations. And the the well, I should say, lack of bond even between my sister, my brother, and I. Yeah. The superficial is is there for sure, but the but the deep stuff. It's yeah, it's a little dusty. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. Will you keep me posted yeah. about how things are going? I will. I'll write. I'll write back. And I really, really. Um, every everybody wants to know. So, so let me know if I can take your name off and and let people know because people always want to know what happens, especially with these in, involved calls. But you know, first, it's a great job. I, I, I can't yeah. tell you how much I I appreciate the trust uh, that that you you put in me. This is a terrible, difficult thing to talk about. It's not a terrible thing. It's a common thing, but it's a difficult thing to talk about. And I, I just, I'm, I'm so incredibly honored by uh, the, the trust. And I, I can't tell you how much I work to, to deserve that trust on an ongoing basis. So I, I really, really appreciate this. And, and, and thank you so much. And I, I can't yeah. wait to hear what comes next. You've earned it for sure, Steph. Thank you. Thank I'll you. Take you. care. Bye. All right. Well, thank you so much for enjoying this latest free domain show on philosophy. And I'm going to be frank and ask you for your help, your support, your encouragement, and your resources. Please like, subscribe, and share, and all of that good stuff to get philosophy out into the world. And also, equally importantly, go to freedomain.com forward slash donate to help out the show, to give me the resources that I need to bring more and better philosophy to an increasingly desperate world. So thank you so much for your support, my friends. Freedomain.com forward slash donate.